2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks for joining us today. Should be a fun one. I can't believe we're already halfway done with the season, and yet, I also can't believe we're only halfway done at the same time. It's funny how that works. Let me bring on my guest today. It's a very good one. He currently covers the Blue Jays and his excellent sub-stack, the Bat Flip. Please welcome my friend, Andrew Stoughton. Andrew, how's it going? It's going great, man. Uh, thanks yeah. for having me. You bet. It's funny. We were just kind of talking right before recording that there was little bit of a altercation between the Red Sox and Blue Jays. I think we're seeing that these two teams may not love each other. Doesn't quite as as Andrew brought up go up live up to the altercation between the Mariners and Angels. But I think it's fair to say that there's no love lost between these two clubs right now. Yeah, no,
3: absolutely. <laughs> also, so, I mean, but, I wonder what the I wonder what the Canadian COVID rules, which are similar in the states, I don't want my Canadian friends yeah to be, uh, to, to be. You know, harping on me about that. But, uh, you know, Tara Howe could have been useful to the Red Sox in the, uh, the middle game of the series.
2: You know what? I think he could have been a little yeah. bit of help. And I, yeah. he <laughs> I wonder what he could have done to be a part of that uh, hmm. situation.
3: Hmm. But, yeah, it seems it, like uh, there's, <laughs> there's tension everywhere.
2: Well. There is tension. And part of it is awesome because these are two really good baseball teams. The AL East is just poor Baltimore. This is just a stupid situation. Uh, before we talk about the Blue Jays, though, I have to ask you an important question. Is Jurassic Park a horror movie? That's a great question.
3: Is Jurassic Park a horror movie? It it sort of is, right? I mean, I was debating I, I could yeah. Put it there.
0: I, yeah. You
2: know. I was debating this with my friends and I think it absolutely is. And I think it's an interesting horror movie in that it doesn't set up like it's going to be a horror movie. It kind of sets up like it's going to be this mystical wonderful thing of exploring the dinosaurs and then it becomes kind of like an action movie and then it becomes a a flat-out horror movie like there are some jump scares in jurassic park that still chill me to this day like the (laughs) scene with for lack of a better term newman getting attacked by that dinosaur when its gills come out and start spewing the venom I mean, I was 10 when that movie came out, and that shook me to my core. <laughs> and the scene with the lawyer getting eaten and all of that stuff, I happened to, I didn't get to very much sleep last night, and by very much sleep, I mean I didn't go to bed. I watched all three of the movies in a row, and uh, I had never seen Jurassic Park 3. Okay. All right. That that—that was definitely yeah, a movie. Similar, similar, similar plot to the first one, I suspect. Don't they all have the basic same plot? They all do. I will say the second one is in kind of an underrated movie. Like there's some, when the Tyrannosaurus Rex actually goes into San Diego and is just like destroying towns and like eating <laughs> lampposts and stuff like that. It is very fun. But I wanted to ask you that question because I, a few of my friends said it's absolutely not a horror movie. There's just some scary stuff in it. But like, I think if you go by beat by beat and stuff, I think it's a, technically is a horror movie, which is kind of crazy for a movie that was basically advertised for, ten-year-olds.
3: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. The more I think of it, the more I think you're right. I, I sort of, I think Predator is a is another one that's sort of a yes. similar thing. It seems yes. like it's an action movie, it seems yeah. like, and then it's like, no, that's a horror movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie also gave me
2: the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Something that has not given me the heebie-jeebies has been watching the Blue Jays over the last couple of years. I think they're the funnest team in baseball, um, and in part because they have so much young talent, and to start with, I don't want to talk about Vladimir, my sweet, sweet, Vladdy Jr. I don't want to talk about Boba Those guys are great, and there's lots of fantasy-relevant guys to talk about. I want to talk about Alejandro Kirk because this is getting ridiculous. All right, so <laughs> at the end of April, this guy had a 584 OPS, and we were kind of wondering, and by we, I kind of mean me, talking about, boy, this could be a great opportunity for a prospect like Gabriel Moreno because, you know, Andrew Alejandro Kirk just, you know, he had a 339 OPS, but he wasn't driving the baseball at all. Uh, 245 average and 245 slugging kind of tells you the story. So then he posts a 94 OPS in the month of May. (laughs) And then in June, he's 359, 462, 679. And it's worth pointing out that Alejandro Kirk wasn't like – The same type of hype prospect as Gabriel Moreno, but he was far from an unknown. There was a lot to like about this guy's offensive ability. He's clearly put it together. I won't ask you if a 1.142 OPS is sustainable because, of of course, it's not. (laughs) I mean, 359, 462, 679 gets you your own wing in Cooperstown, much less getting in there. But how good can Alejandro Kirk be? And what do you think has been kind of the difference, especially from that terrible April start, other than the fact that it was just a small sample?
3: You know, I I think that that may be it, right? And like if you look at his numbers last year, some of the underlying metrics, you know, he still hits the ball hard. He's still, you know, he's great plate coverage. You know, it's just hard to throw the ball past him. Uh, He walks, he walks a lot. Like there's all these underlying skills that we, you know, that have kind of been bubbling up you know, as he's risen through the Jays system. And, you know, he right. was a guy that they always really liked. They always liked, you know, the, the batch ball skills and the big knock on him was always, you know, it, it just doesn't look like an athlete. He doesn't look <sighs> like a guy you ever see You know, yeah. the, the speed isn't there so much, but uh, you know, so it's just the bar for him because he doesn't do, you know, some other things, uh, you know, was, was, was sort of high. And he's obviously crossed it. And I think that in April, right. you know, he was getting to the balls. Like he wasn't, he it it seemed like he was in between maybe a little bit, but he was uh, he was still striking the ball just not hitting it very hard and I think that that was sort of the thing I don't really know what's unlocked this why this has happened and and, and like what what is going to come of it like I think what can he be I mean this is as good as he'll probably get I mean because this is about as good as anybody gets right but yeah it's uh it's wild it's it, it is it's it's not uh, it's not it's not super it's not unexpected that he is you know making himself. You know, sure. a guy who they have to think about, you know, when they have Moreno, one of the best prospects in baseball. Right. Uh, but it is obviously really unprecedented and and, uh, and incredibly fun to watch too. I mean, he's the leading vote getter for the all-star game for catchers. Like he's going to, uh, you know, all, all everybody in Toronto, all the Jays fans across Canada want to see this guy, you know, have a, like, be the center of attention in like in the baseball world when the the all-star game happens and I think I would
2: imagine he's quite popular with that fan base right now no absolutely
3: oh man. yeah, you know, yeah. I, to, Dan Schulman who does the broadcast uh, uh for sportsnet here in, in in Toronto he was uh he was saying you know it was it was one of the noisiest moments of the season when he was like when he had a you know he had a single to lead off the ninth uh, on <laughs> Tuesday night yeah and you know there it's just he was getting cheered when he was walking out to the bullpen before the start of the game uh here on Wednesday. That's awesome. I mean, I'm just
2: looking at this baseball savant page and it is like it's like a Wyoming election. There's so much red here, man. This is this is a guy whose expected batting average is in the 99th percentile. His expected slugging is in the 94th percentile. His expected weighted above average. I I always struggle. We'll just call it the Waba 98th percentile. And I think this is really interesting, too. His framing numbers, if I remember last year, were not great. He's in the 96th percentile in that right now. His pop times have gone down in his sprint speed. I mean, in the 6%, I'd I'd love to see the 5% lower, to be completely (laughs) honest with you. But it doesn't really matter. But, like, this creates kind of an interesting – let's just talk about the long term here because Gabriel Moreno does seem like a special type of prospect – Is Alejandro Kirk the long-term DH here, or is this going to be a situation where you think both guys are going to play both positions? Could they trade one of these guys? I mean, the value – you can't trade Alejandro Kirk, obviously, in 2022. The the city would absolutely riot, and justifiably so. But, like, does Gabriel Moreno now become kind of a movable piece? What do you think Gabriel Moreno's future is for the rest of 2022?
3: Yeah, for the rest of this year, I yeah, I don't know. Because they have Danny Jansen as well, who they really like. Yep. They, you know, the sure. pitching staff really likes. He's starting to show some pop. You know, he's been hurt a lot, but he's got – you know, he just keeps hitting the ball. We've been calling him Danny Bats. Like, he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's just yanking the ball over the over the left field fence. Like, it's been – it's – that's been wild, and the fact that he's hurt has has sort of changed things a bit. But I think right. at the start of the year, it felt like uh, Kirk would be the odd man out because the, the the franchise, the organization, really does like Jansen and likes his game mm-hmm. calling, likes all. You know, he was sort of the sound and defensive guy, and like you say. Previously, Kirk's defensive, you know, metrics and whatever else, just even the eye test, it wasn't quite the same. And he's done a great job of like coming a, a long way in a very short time. Like the bottom of the the bottom of the zone, like he frames exceptionally well, and that's you know mm-hmm. reflected in that in that percentile ranking that he has right now. And so, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he's the guy that you make the long term guy just because you you know he had a hip injury that he was on the sixty day last year. You know, they're obviously being very careful. you know he's not playing every day. Uh, they're they're watching the wear and tear because again, he's not, you know just a, just a, a different body type than than you're used to seeing. And they like the DH spot as a guy, a place where they can rotate guys in and out of too, right? right. Like George, George Springer is going to need the DH, you know, as that contract ages. Vlad gets DH days as, as well, you know. There's, uh, there's, I think, always going to be somebody around who who they're going to want to use that spot for. So, you know, you can mix and match, you know, with while Kirk, you know, Kirk's good enough defensively that you can play him behind the plate a lot. I don't know if they're ready to give up on Danny Jansen, who, like I say, they really really like him. But like Moreno, yeah. my understanding for a very long time, you know, we've been hearing the drumbeat for a long time, is that Moreno is going to be the guy, and you know. We're before he even started moving up top 100s, it's like the, internally, this is like they were really excited about what they see from him the athleticism and the bat to ball and all of that. It's like, it's, you know, it, it's, it may, it may not, you know, he may not have a stretch like Kirk's having right now, but a really great offensive prospect and just as athletic as it comes behind the plate.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of him in the long term. I'm, I think he's more for fantasy perspectives, more of a, second catcher and two catcher leagues type of guy. Like I can see him being a top 15 option. Some of it's going to come down to what, how much he's going to play. Obviously, you know, there would be no harm in setting Moreno back down. There's no guarantee that I think he's going to be a a huge part of this offense, but while he's up, I'm still, I'm having him up. I guess the one concern I've had with Moreno a little bit this year is in both AAA and in the majors. He's not really driving the baseball. Like the slugging percentage is 351 here. And it was, 404 in AAA, which, you know, it's only 36 games. And I do think that this guy has plus power. But that's my one little bit of concern about Moreno, is that I would like to see him start driving the baseball more, but extremely talented player. But I am absolutely in love with Alejandro Kirk. I think he is. (laughs) I think he's a top three catcher for the rest of the year, and that (laughs) might be two spots too high. How crazy is that? It really, really is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two guys that... Did not surprise, although maybe a little bit surprising because they didn't get off to necessarily the hottest starts. We've got to talk about Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because it is like an actual legal requirement that we talk (laughs) about him, especially when we have somebody as familiar with the Blue Jays on. Both guys kind of mediocre at the beginning of the year, Bichette especially. And I want to talk to you about the fact that Bo Bichette only has five stolen bases this year, which is not a number I was expecting By the way, George Springer has seven stolen bases, which is kind of funny because this was the the one knock on him, I think, for fantasy is, will he ever run? And he's done quite a bit of running this year, which is nice to see. But both of these guys, I think, are offensive stalwarts for the rest of the year. Have you seen anything from Bichette and Vladdy Jr.
3: that suggests that's not going to be true? No, no. I mean, except for Bichette's start to the
0: year, really. Like, right. I mean,
3: Vlad had Vlad kind of had a, a, lull, a, a lull, a dip in in May. Yeah, uh, high and low. Yeah, yeah. He and he, you know, you look at the numbers, and they're they're all, you know, they're not quite where they were last year, but they're all, you know. Uh, they look like an elite hitter's numbers, Yes. Uh, and it, and it, yet it doesn't really feel like he's clicked yet. So like he's a guy who I think there's you know there's another gear there, and and uh, it's felt maybe in June that he's starting to get there, but it still doesn't feel like he's you know just having those weeks that can absolutely you know not just carry your fantasy team but carry the whole Blue Jays team, and, 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 and that's coming I think. But there, right. he, there's just too much there. Bo did have that weird that weird start. He's he's another guy with great bat to ball skills. He you know. It was really, you know, he was getting himself in bad counts. He's a guy who will be very aggressive at the plate. You know, you'll see, you'll see, um, there was, we were calling him Bowen two for a while. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of that going on, but yeah, I mean, the power is just so easy for, especially for a guy who's not built like that, you know, it's, uh, and he goes the other way all the time. He's just, he's a, 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 he's just got as much natural talent, uh, as as, as uh, you know, maybe not as anybody, but he's he's a great naturally talented hitter. Sure. He's going to stick at shortstop for a long time, which I'm sure is is, is important for uh, for the fantasy purposes. Yes, sir. Because they're not, you know, there was talk in the off off-season, offseason, you know, with the free agents with Correa and with. Uh, with Seeger, you know the Blue Jays maybe looked into that, but I think they're really committed to to Bichette there. And I think having Matt Chapman, who will be around next year as well, is going to, you know, is kind of the cover that they they provide for Bichette because he's not, you know, the best defensive shortstop in the league. I will we'll go, we'll say that, but yeah. but, I, but he's been very competent and he's he gets better all the time, and I, I think that's a credit to him. But but yeah, he he would be the one that I would you know not worry about, but would but you I think you could see more dips and, and more highs and lows from him. I think Vlad is obviously what we all think Vlad is. Yeah, I 100% agree, and
2: it's worth pointing out, too, like with Boba Shet. the one thing that, that frustrates me with me with him is he swings at a lot of pitches that are outside of the zone. Like yes, his chase does. rates yeah. in the 7th percentile, <laughs> and some of that is, like I, I say this phrase way too often, but you got to take better with better with the, a player like this because he's pretty darn good at making hard contact out of pitches outside of the strike zone as well. You know, he, he likes to hit, and at the same time, it's not like you know, he's in the 22nd percentile and walk percentage, which is obviously not elite. But we're not talking about hobby Baez or anything like that. <laughs> His hard hit percentage is in the 85th percentile. I think long term, this is still a fantasy superstar. Even if Bichette did move over to second base, I still think he is. Vladdy, I, I don't know if I could ever be more confident outside of maybe Juan Soto, who's having a bad year this year, fantasy-wise anyway. Um, he's just going to hit and hit and hit. I don't, I think you probably saw some of this. There were some people who were bringing up the fact that after they moved from the minor league parks into Toronto that the numbers were not quite as good. I think that's not a case of him taking advantage of minor league parks. I think that's a point of if he would have kept up that same pace, we would have had to question what the heck was going on. Like He was <laughs> like on pace to be like one of the greatest power hitters of all time. It's pretty silly to question that
3: guy's power, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, yeah. it, it's unreal. I, I, I can't recall anybody that I've seen up close like it. And yeah. I, th- I think part of the moving thing is, is that, you know, he just wore down a little bit as the, as the year went along and he, sure. you know, he had a big off season last year, you know, he came into to, or came back from the, the COVID break, the first, uh, the first lockdown, a little overweight. They immediately moved him from third to first. They were kind of not super happy with the conditioning. And then he really, really did a lot of work in the off season and maybe that caught up with him a little bit by the end of the year that, that he's just been pushing his body so much so there you know you see them being a little more careful a lot of dh days and 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 are are trying to trying to keep him in the lineup you know whatever way they can and and you know have i think more this year than last you know some first base options that they can that they can plug in you know they'll they'll go to guriel they'll go to Cavan biggio and and that sort of allows him to stay in the lineup while not you know just, sure. just, 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 being careful with him, I think, and, which is weird to say for a twenty-three-year-old, but, but I do, th- <laughs> yeah. I do think that that would, that would be my theory as to why he wore down. You know why the numbers yeah. kind of dipped at the end, as opposed to just changing my, from minor league parks. I mean, I've wore down
2: from March, <laughs> to May, from just hosting a podcast three times a week. I can't imagine <laughs> what being a twenty-three-year-old going through what he's going through. How tough! I just thought of this question: Is he the face of the franchise, or is? I think he has to be, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and that's—I
3: think that's probably probably part of it too. I mean, there's there, there's pressure. There's you know there's media engagements. You know, he can't go. Sure. You know, he can't go out on the town without anybody. You know, he is a he's a big dude who's very noticeably Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like that's that, that's, and that's something I think he's lived with his whole life. You know, just because of his dad and because of you know what he became a preternatural baseball prospect <laughs> that sort of came with the territory. Uh, so I think he's probably better equipped than than a lot of people. You know, this must be you know Alejandro Kirk's head must be spinning a little bit. You would sure. think except except he's got the, the, the low pulse and nothing phases him. And that's something that they talked about even before this sort of thing happened that the blue jays really love about him. Sure. But but yeah, I think Vlad carries a lot of weight and, and absolutely is the face of the franchise and, and is sort of the center of their the blue jays universe, which uh, <laughs> you could pick worse guys to be the center of your universe. Oh
2: gosh, yeah. And Bo Bichette would be the, <laughs> the center of most franchises, to be honest. I think so, yeah. To, which just speaks to how good. My sweet, sweet Gladys Jr. is. (laughs) Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Royals take on the Tigers in Detroit on Sunday, July 3rd at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, ptv.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em contest. I think the Blue Jays have a Peacock game coming up fairly like soon. Like two. There's,
3: yeah. there's two before the end
2: of the year, I think. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, those uh, I've had so much fun. And by the way, we do a Sunday waiver wire Q&A right after the post game show. To me and a rotating guest, it's a lot of fun. The fact I have to wake up at 8 a.m. my time to do it isn't my favorite thing in the world, but uh, we'll just negotiate that in my next contract. <laughs> um, you brought up Matt Chapman uh, just a little bit ago, and I wanted to talk to you about Chapman because... You know, this is a guy, you know, they gave up some solid prospects for. And over the first few months, at least offensively, things did not look good. He ended May with a line of 201, 286, 354. That's a 640 OPS from the hot quarter. Not exactly great. But in the month of June, and it's a sample of all of 79 at-bats coming into when we're recording, 266, 333, 544 with five homers. Are you Buying this version of Matt Chapman or the one we saw over the first couple of months?
3: I mean, it's easy for me to buy on the positive side of Blue Jays stuff, but <laughs> yeah. I am. I, I mean, I, I mean, he's a guy who you know, anecdotally, and I think also, you know, if you look at the Statcast page, like he's been hitting the ball hard all yes. He's been making good contact. He's been having good, good uh, plate appearances. The approach has been good. You know, there was some strikeout at the, the, the start, that's kind of like gotten better. But he was really a guy who just felt like he was getting he was snake bitten. That like you know before. Uh, before the balls started flying flying out of the ballparks a little bit more you know say around mid may uh there were just so many like anecdotal you could just i could think back to like balls that he just it looked like he hit them on the screws and they just would die at the warning track and it was just happening to him a lot sure. and and that sort of that 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 has changed and and there, more balls are going over the fence you know it's just the, the batter ball luck has been better you know i don't know if he is exactly what you know those numbers in june are going to be going forward but, you know, thinking about it, you know, from the Jays' perspective, I think he was a league average hitter that he had a one-on-one weighted runs created. plus last year. You know, and that's sort of all you need him to be when he's as good with the glove. But I think that, you know, the Jays thought that there was more there. They probably were a little concerned at the start when there wasn't. Uh, but I think that I think that what you're seeing now is definitely closer to what he can be. And I don't know if it's ever going to be 2018, 2019 again for Matt Chapman. But uh, uh, But, yeah, there's more in there for sure. I mean, yeah, they,
2: you don't expect to get MVP candidate, which he literally <laughs> was in 2000, yeah. 2019. Honestly, it would be unfair if they got MVP candidate with how good this lineup is. They they can have the the almost as good version of Matt Chapman. Again, I've had a lot of fun watching this baseball team. But I'm glad the metrics, 93rd percentile and hard hit percentage, but expected batting average only in the 40th percentile because there is a lot of swing and miss in this profile. Yeah. and There always is going to be. I think it's interesting. Like, he's kind of the opposite of Bo Bichette, 96 percentile in chase rate. Like, he waits for his pitch. Fortunately, waiting for your pitch puts you in two strike counts, and two strike counts, I think everybody knows, are not the best thing. Kind of similar to Matt Chapman, I wanted to ask you about Jordan Groshans because this is a guy who is currently in AAA and putting up okay numbers, but similar to Gabriel Moreno. And maybe the ball just isn't yeah. traveling in AAA right now, just not driving the baseball. But hitting for a decent average, one of their top prospects, I think, a couple of years ago, who kind of got underrated because of injury, partially, like he's just not been able to stay on the field. Do you think he could be an option for the Blue Jays this year?
3: Harder to see. I mean, I think Chapman's obviously got third base locked down. He's been durable. Sure. You know, that's that's what's going to have to happen to get Roshan's in, I think. His June has not been good. Uh, you know if you sort of uh, and, and you know you're it's dangerous obviously like parceling it out and, and looking you know looking month by month but but may was great I think it was like an 11.8% strikeout rate like uh, it was walking as much as you struck out basically the strikeouts have crept up the, the you know everything across the board I think the way runs road's 53 obviously minor league you know that's not quite calculated the same but mm-hmm. not what you want to see and I think and exactly what you say you know he like Moreno he's just not been hitting the ball hard and I, I think that that's sort of you know, organizationally, is something that they're not super concerned about with the really young guys who they think will grow into power. I was reading right. something, I think, in the Buffalo News the other day that was talking to to, to Casey Candale, the, uh, the 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 Bison's manager, who was like, you know, we're not worried. We're, he's a good hitter. He could hit the ball. The power will come. They're not especially concerned about, like, getting him to tap into that power now as he's developing in the minor leagues. And that's sort of what – it's interesting. That's what they do, you know, with, the, with AAA. I don't know. Maybe – I don't know why I say that's interesting, except that you know in the Alex area era here, it was very much like double A was where the the prospects go, triple A was for the guys who you sure know, are riding the riding the yo yo with the guys who have rights. <laughs> they kind of they like they kind of kept a lot of the you know the top prospects away from you know what could would sometimes be you know a, a not toxic. Uh, environment, but like, you know, just a, a, a different thing. But now, now with Shapiro and Atkins, they're very much, you know, A is where Moreno went, A is where you know, Kirk went, where, you know, Alec Bono ended up, you know, pitching in A. They're, they're sending them all to Buffalo and and really have guys that they trust there. Uh, and so I assume if the Bison staff are saying, you know, they're not worried about the power, they think it's going to eventually come. That's probably what the Jays think. But whether that's going to be this year or not, I, I don't see too much of a an opportunity for Groshans here this year.
2: I think Groshans could be a guy, and uh I'm just kind of not haven't heard anything about this. He makes an a lot of awful lot of sense as a trade piece, I think, in part because of where he has at in his developmental stage. You have Matt Chapman for a couple of years. I think Aurelvis Martinez is the third baseman of the future there. Like would like to see Aurelvis uh, Martinez do uh, a little better job with the approach of the plate, yeah. but there's no <laughs> questioning the talent there. So I think and if Groshans does get traded to an organization where he can play, I like him. I don't think he's ever going to be a 20 to 25 homer guy, but 15 to 18 and like a real good chance to be like a 282, 90 hitter. He kind of reminds me of Ty France a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with the Ty France. Maybe not hitting like 330, 340 like Ty France was earlier in the season, but a poor man's version of that is not so bad. Real quick, just for our fantasy folks. If Ricky Tiedemann is available in your dynasty <laughs> league, go get this dude. Like he is probably the most underrated pitching prospect in baseball right now for Vancouver. The last time I checked, a 0.96 ERA, and it's not that small of a sample size anymore. He's really impressive. He would be a guy I would absolutely look to go get. And also, Adam Horwitz is a, or excuse me, I always do this. Adam Horowitz is the Beastie Boy. Spencer yeah. <laughs> Horowitz is the first baseman right now for the New Hampshire Fishing Cats. Big fan of this guy. I've talked to a few scouts about this guy as a chance to be a really solid on base percentage guy. 293, 410, 507. Nine home runs, three stolen bases. I just ranked him in my top 10 first base prospects in baseball. Really underrated player and a guy I think that uh, has a chance to help those
3: guys. This Blue Jay system's pretty good, Andrew. It is uh, suckers. They be saying they can strike out Spencer Horowitz. <laughs> <know>. uh, <laughs> uh, can I give you one more name? Can I give you yes, Jasper, Zul- Jasper Zulueta, who just went to Double A. He's been nice. uh, Cuban guy who had had Tommy John when they signed him after getting Kendrys Morales uh, to Oakland and getting some international bonus pool money. He had. They knew he had had to have Tommy John, so they knew he was going to miss a year, pitched three pitches last year, tore his ACL. He's just back now. He's moving real fast. He is a starter. He's got a starter's arsenal, uh, but, you know, the innings are kind of a thing, and, you know, he he throws, he'll touch triple digits. He is a guy that people are already seeing, like, the, the fact that he's been promoted kind of aggressively here. Even though he's 24, he just doesn't have a lot of experience uh, as a guy that the Blue Jays, who need swing and miss in their bullpen, are already probably looking to for the end of the year. Yeah, he's
2: that's a great call. He's somebody I profiled uh, not too long ago. I think
3: he's probably
2: reliever at the end of the day, but man, he has a chance to be a really interesting arm real quick before I get into uh, the starters, especially um, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite relief prospects in baseball. And I know that's a weird thing to for anybody to say. Adrian Hernandez do you think he's a guy who could be up and helping the Blue Jays
3: at some point this year? I'm kind of surprised that he isn't yet. You know, they signed Sergio Romo, and uh, and a lot of people are like, "Well, what?" You know, Hernandez has that screwball. You know, the screwball changeup kind of thing. It's and so and we, good. It it really is. I you know left wondering if they don't think that major leaguers are going to be fooled by it as much as as AAA guys are. But compared you know, looking at some of the guys that are in their bullpen right now. Why not? He's not on the 40-man. I think that if Romo doesn't, you know, he doesn't take that Hernandez is probably the next guy to come up. I th- I really do
2: believe that this guy could be a closer someday. That screwball changeup is so good. And part of one of the reasons why I like him so much is he's listed at 5'8". Everyone I've talked to <laughs> suggests that <laughs> might be overstating things a little bit here <laughs> with okay. the overall height. So anytime you could get like a backup point guard height pitcher, throwing screwball pitches, by all means, give it to me all day long. <laughs>
3: to Alejandro um, Kirk, who's probably about
2: that size himself. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Little yeah. different builds uh, outside <laughs> yes. of the one, One's a little more square-shaped than the other one, uh, and yeah. I think square shape is being a little bit nice, oh but goodness. that is A-OK. We love our beefy boys. This guy is fairly beefy. His name is Alec Manoa. He is amazing. He has put up sensational numbers this year. I believe he's pitching another great game as we're recording right now, or he certainly was at the last time I checked. Boston's up 3-2, but he obviously hasn't gotten shelled. Does Alec Manoa have a chance to be – I mean, he's pitching like an ace right now, so it seems like a silly question. But does this guy have a chance to be an ace? I really think – just just confirmed, yes. Say yeah, yes. I, I think
3: absolutely. Yeah. I mean that, you know he doesn't really he doesn't use the change up very much. It's not it's not you know, he doesn't need to, and that's nope. sort of been why he's been able to move. But if that if that turns into you know an above average pitch right uh, look out like that i mean right now he does have struggles with lefties the the red Sox in this game that, that you're referring to uh through all the lefties they could at him because if you sure. I mean, if you look at the splits it's been it's been tough but and yet he's still you know he's still one of the era leaders in the league he's been he's been phenomenal and it's just a kid and it's a, a, you know barely pitched in the minors at all uh and uh, you know i, I mean he was like a number, number six overall prospect or, or draft pick uh you know had a, I kind of got lost behind, you know. Nate Pearson was a guy the Blue Jays fans talked about a lot and sucked up a lot of air in the room, especially because of the the, the, you know, the arm that he has. And Manoa, you know, doesn't light up the radar gun in the same way. But you know, he's just he's a bull out there. Uh, You know, he does. He still throws hard, not as hard. I think he was up to ninety six. You know, which is a little rare for him uh, in this in this particular game. Uh, But the slider is ridiculous. And uh, right now that's all he needs. But I think that you're like, he can absolutely be an ace. You, you, you add that change up in it. It's, it's there. You see, you see flashes of it. You see, he throw, he'll throw some good ones, uh, but he just doesn't need it. He doesn't use it all that much. But I think that that could be a game changer for him, which is crazy to think because he's, he's doing so well, you know, as it is. And and just a guy everybody loves him and him and Alejandro Kirk right now are rock stars in Toronto.
2: Yeah, I believe it too. And definitely guys that you want to give a little bit of uh, extra space between the two like on on the plane (laughs) i'm guessing because because big guys i mean it's such a lazy comparison but he really does remind me a little bit of a right-handed cc sabathia i I knew
0: knew
3: exactly that's what you were gonna say yeah
2: and the thing is it's like it's not just the fact that he's able to miss bats with that just ridiculous slider and a quality fastball i mean it's not an elite fastball but because of the spin, i would put it as a well above average pitch But, like, he seems like such a – especially in today's day and age, the fact that you are basically locking him in to six innings every time he gets on the mound is massive. And I don't think it could be overstated that, like, six innings and two runs of baseball are basically almost assuredly what you're going to get from this guy. I am a huge fan of him. Like, we did our midseason draft, and I believe Manoa ended up being the third pitcher off the board. Wow. Which, if you think about it, is pretty crazy. <laughs> Shane McClanahan was the first pitcher off the board, which I mean, nobody could have expected that. And then I think I took Justin Verlander second, and then uh, Shelley took uh, uh, Alec Manoa with the third pick. And I, honestly, I considered a Manoa over Justin Verlander just because part of it is I know he's going to get offensive run support. I always know that that guy is going to get. Plenty of runs, and he's going to pitch deep enough for me to qualify. As stupid as the win category is, it's a part of fantasy baseball. It's always going to matter, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Alec Manoa's got a chance to be a really special arm. I thought, oh, so this one's a little embarrassing. Jose various I really? predicted this guy to win the Cy Young Award uh
3: whoops (laughs) (laughs) you're not alone
2: no I I was not the odds if you go to like points bets or um other websites were were fairly high for him and justifiably so I he was so good after that trade and no there have been flashes of brilliance how concerned are you about Jose Barrios down the stretch uh
3: I mean not not concerned I mean it's a I it's been too weird to just hand wave it away. I, I sure. you know, I do, I do like that the, you know, the velocities there, the stuff seems to be there. He's been having trouble locating, they're tinkering all the time with it. He, you know, he's just been so durable and so consistent year on year out. Yeah. Uh, you know, though, if you look at the, you know, you look at some of the Statcast stuff, and and it, it hasn't always been trending. Trending, and I think even if you go back a couple of years, it's not exactly trending in the right direction everybody here was willing to overlook that when they signed him to the big contract everyone was ecstatic when they made the trade for him he was great down the stretch for the jays like he's always great except for whatever is going on this year um i you know i'm i'm mildly concerned i don't even like that i'm mildly concerned i, I mean he's just he's too good and has been too good for too long to not pull out of it but when that happens you know if you're talking about the the 2022 season you know there may be some bumps still. I mean, it's just that it doesn't seem to have he doesn't have it figured out. He's not you know locating his fastball well. everything sort of plays off that and it's it's been a bit of a mess. There's been some great games, and there's just been some real dogs and and uh sadly, it's been more of the latter than the former.
2: I mean, we talked about how Alejandro Kirk's savant page looked like a uh, Wyoming <laughs> election. Jose Barrios looks like a western Washington election, unfortunately with all of this blue I mean. Expecting slugging percentage, he's at the very bottom in baseball, expecting batting average 4%, expected ERA 3%, bottom 7% in average exit velocity, hard pit percentage, barrel rate. Everything here is pretty bad. The one thing here that gives me optimism, other than the fact that Jose Barrios does have a track record that suggests that he can turn this around. I mean, the stuff hasn't just completely gone away at the age of 28. I just refuse to believe that. Yeah, no. If you look here... He's throwing strikes. He's in the 78th percentile in based on ball percentage. That has not been an issue for him. He's also getting hitters to swing at pitches outside of the strike zone at the 71% rate, which is very good. His whiff percentage is only in the 12%. That does not add up. That shouldn't actually be possible. Like If you have competent <laughs> stuff, you would think that those pitches that they are chasing at would start swinging and missing more. So I think he's going to start missing more bats just because he does have that track record of doing so. I mean, unfortunately, if you're a fantasy manager that has Jose Barrios, everything that's happened, the bad luck doesn't matter. It's all locked into what has happened this year. But I would be, if somebody's willing to trade Jose Barrios, the fact that you don't have to take those stats with you, that is dropped off luggage. You don't have to worry about that. I think he will be better at the end of the season, but man, it is – Hard to justify looking at that Savant page, other than the fact that I do think he is fooling hitters maybe more than these numbers
3: suggest. Yeah, I I think probably, but also I mean hard contact has been a thing for him even you know even in Minnesota. It's a good point. You know, I and mean, that was you know, that sort of came with it not like this, but yeah, he you know when when he's not locating when you know when he gets behind and counts he's getting shelled Uh, that is that has been a thing but i I, i'm with you like there's just too much good there yeah he won't be able to pull out of it yeah uh and i
2: think one thing that blue jay fans could take a little bit solace with is austin martin kind of looks a little bit lost and And, uh, i still have long-term hopes for that guy just because his approach is so good and all of the athleticism is there but i think he needs like a Steve Austin, $6 million man swing revamp to actually start tapping into the power because he is just not driving the baseball whatsoever. So Alec Manoa has been good. Jose Barrios has been bad. Ross Stripling has been good, <laughs> question mark? I mean, like, and it's not, the question mark is just because I'm surprised by it. All due respect to him, he was a guy who looked like he was kind of a thing when he was with the Dodgers. But he's been really good this year. And I think you've written about him a little bit in your Substack what can we expect
3: going forward from ross stripling Ooh, that's that i think is the big question because i mean i think a lot of it is him making adjustments to stay ahead of, of you know teams that are, are getting a read on him you know i I looked at, this week i looked at, at his start against boston this week and one that he had in april and he was you know the pitch mix was similar but the way he was locating what he was trying to do was very different you know he was trying to elevate the fastball in the first one was throwing a lot of changeups and sliders for strikes The most recent one, you know, fastball was filling up the zone, wasn't really elevating a lot, wasn't trying to get swing and miss with those. Uh, and he actually similar to Berrios, uh, like you say, with the uh, with the chase rate was yeah. there, but not the but not the whiff rate, which is which is interesting. And yeah, yeah. he was he was working the edges of the, of the zone with the changeup and with the and uh, uh, with the slider, and just sort of keeping guys more off balance and and uh, not throwing as many fastballs as he did before. And uh, you know that's you know obviously not his great pitch. Uh, he's, right. His stuff is not uh, is not overwhelming. But yeah, I mean he's a, he's a. a, a he's a smart guy. It seems he's, you know, he's willing to adapt. He's willing to, uh, to do the little, because he has to, that's what he has to do to stay in the big leagues. He was also, you know, he's people like him here because he was willing to go be the sixth starter, go sure. pitch, pitch in relief, do all sorts of things. That doesn't help anybody in his fantasy team, but I think he's here in the rotation to stay. I mean, there's two guys behind him right now in terms of like the pecking order. I think Grios will, will surpass him. Eventually you say Kikuchi a uh, little more concerned about, yeah, but, <laughs> but uh but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I think that you know you can you can roll Stripling for a while because he has been really really good. And you're right that you know he was kind of a thing with the Dodgers, and it's easy to forget. And I think a lot of Jays fans have like that American League bias where they're like, oh, well, he was in the National League. He was getting guys out, even if you're even if you're facing the pitcher every once in a while. It's. Uh, it's been good. It's, it's, you know, and he, he just, he locates well and he throws any pitch in any count and that, that I think gives him a a real chance.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at this guy, he's a 60% other 40% fastball guy. And that's just, you know, not something you're seeing a ton of anymore in baseball. Like that changeup is really good and he's got Mm -hmm. a a good, they call it a slider. I think it's more of a cutter, but, and then he'll occasionally mix in the curveball. Like he does throw strikes with everything. I'll say this. From a fantasy perspective, I think Ross Stripling might actually mean uh, streamer in Swahili. Like, that is just basically (laughs) what he is. Like, I am not trusting him against a a New York lineup or a Boston lineup or a Minnesota lineup. But I'm really trusting him against, like, well, I trust pretty much... Andrew, if you start against the Oakland Athletics, I'm putting you in my fantasy (laughs) lineup. I think that's fair. (laughs) Just right now, I mean, one of the worst lineups I think I have covered. But like when he is facing those weaker lineups because of the fact that he doesn't give up hard contact and he throws everything for strikes, quality start is very possible. That's six innings of three-run baseball or fewer. Definitely something that adds some value. You mentioned Nate Pearson I was a huge fan of Nate Pearson, and I think I was definitely not alone on this. Like, the stuff is really impressive, but just hasn't been able to stay on the mound. Is there still a long-term future for Nate
3: Pearson? I think so, but I don't know. I don't think it's in the rotation at this point. I think that, right. you know, that, that I felt, you know, this year coming into the year, it was like maybe, you know, they're stretching him out in spring, and he got mono, which, you know, is like, poor guy. I mean, I mean. It's one thing to to I mean he's like he's had bad luck with injuries and it's in 100%. addition to there, there being like re, not re, repetitive ones you know he's had the obliques and now he's got a lat strain and like those ones from actually you know the, the physical forces of pitching are one thing but you know he also yeah. broke his arm and like, missed a ton of time in his first pro season Mono's, uh, you know has helped wipe out so much of this year and now he's you know now he's on the shelf again shut down for three or four weeks uh, so that's it's going to be another wasted season for him he's on, he's on the service clock now which is going to make that kind of interesting eventually yes too. yeah um because there's i mean there's still a lot to like about the arm i think they really you know they like they like him as a guy they like that you know he's willing to you know to, to get the data to, to to do all the things that you need to be a modern pitcher uh he just can't stay on the, on on the mound and he can you know and sometimes he can't stay out of his own head i think too which yeah. is uh uh he really he like he really opened a lot of eyes when he pitched out of, out of the bullpen i think it was in 2020 against the Rays right. in the playoffs and looked great and you know could obviously hump up the to 100 in the bullpen and and uh maybe just not having a week to prepare for things is, is a benefit to him but it is sure. it, you know i think there is i think there is a future of some kind for him ideally on the blue jays i it all comes together but yeah we're we're the, the clock is is ticking on that
2: i do think that it'll come together at some point i have my question marks about whether or not it's going to be with the blue jays and i mm-hmm. i will say like like, he and Groshans could be a real interesting package for something if they were looking for an upgrade somewhere. I mean, that would be – it'd be selling low, I think, on Pearson, unfortunately. It wouldn't be similar. You know, I was thinking, like, is this a jesus Lazardo situation? But Lazardo has shown – even in that terrible year last year, has shown more flashes of brilliance than Nate Pearson, to be completely oh, honest yeah, with you. Absolutely. Um, but I, I do think that there is – it would be a guy I'm holding on to in Dynasty Leagues because – I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but I think that stuff could be extremely special in relief, in part because uh, I just don't want to look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for doing this. Please promote all of the good stuff that you're doing, my friend.
3: Oh, all the good stuff. You can find it at thebatflip.ca. That's what, that's what us Canadians use uh, <laughs> instead of a .com. And you just find me on Twitter. That's really about it. I do a podcast on Colin. Uh, called blue jays happy hour twice a week we uh, usually try to do them you know post game that's all that's been a lot of fun taking people's calls i do it with uh, nick ashburn who's a a writer here does stuff for yahoo does stuff for uh, sportsnet and uh and that's really about it yeah just uh, uh just following a really fun team i mean I've been doing this since like 2007. So I've watched a lot of bad Blue Jays baseball <laughs> seasons. And uh, I got to tell you, this is uh, it's real nice to, to be sitting here and nitpicking a team that you really feel confident is going to go to the playoffs. Like that doesn't oh, yeah. happen around here very often.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. I kind of grew up with the Blue Jays being such a great team in 92 and 93. Like that was, I had to get a Toronto Blue Jays hat. And it's fun to see them. Uh, getting this thing. But by the way, you're way too young to have been covering anything since 2007. So. Uh, <laughs> re- you- I'm older than you. <laughs> I'll ask you a, a real quick question. I, I, I don't believe you are actually a Maple Leafs fan, but mm-hmm. correct. has this city, I know it was frustrating for them to lose in the first round again. Is this one a little bit different? I think because he lost to a team that went to three straight Stanley Cups and looked actually really good for most of it, or does it just not matter?
3: Oh, I mean, I'll get in trouble if I try to speak for Leafs. Sake, <laughs> and, you know, I, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I, it seemed like it, but I kind of I, I, I do a lot of muting on my Twitter, so so the a lot of the diehard, you know. The crazy Leafs fans. I, I don't. I don't get to encounter it. So it's do you have a say. favorite hockey team? I, th- I think you do, but I don't. Uh... I, I enjoy when the Montreal Canadiens are a thing, but also. Uh, I, I, I... I play. I play fantasy hockey. Uh, Shane, yeah. right? Look, that, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah fa- Fantasy is my my game. So I cheer for the, the, the Peter maple a maple Pete's. My, uh, <laughs> I've been in that keeper league since like 2003 with all the nice. same guys. It's that's, uh,
2: that's great. It's a I little got, intense. I got to get in a hockey keeper league. That sounds like so much fun. Well,
3: we might have um, some we'll, spots open for it. Hey, give
2: uh, me <laughs> up. You, you, okay. my, D, my DMS are open. It's all funny, right. by the way, that uh, Mike Kraken in, in a draft that has three really good players got the fourth pick i think i know how this franchise is going to turn out thank you guys (laughs) so much again for listening Uh, you can follow andrew at andrew stoughton and you can follow me at crawford underscore milb you like what you're hearing please like rate subscribe all that good stuff thanks again for listening and we will talk to you guys soon